there are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi. It's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. At the theater, more than the movies come to life, movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. I love the introductory music to your podcast. We need to have a live band at the Super Bowl that plays that. Wouldn't the start sound even better if it was trombone taking that? Oh, yes. Wheels are in motion for the live band. Just the horn section. That's all I need is the horn section. I can do the percussion. We just need the horn section. Trombone. What are the other horns? There's a trombone, not a tuba, not a tuba. Trombone. A trump, and trumpet, uh, trumpet, trumpet, yeah, trumpet, right, right. trumpet, yeah, saxophone, saxophone, saxophone. There you go. Oboe, uh, oboe. We need an oboe. I just like saying oboe. All right, uh, but yeah, trombone. I just I like that whole, you know, that whole thing with the trombone, I got slide you. trombone. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Did you ever play any of those instruments growing up? Did you do any of that? Like, no, you didn't have to play an instrument in grade school, like, and do that kind of crap, right? Like, where you had to like play the violin or like play the saxophone or do any of that we had the recorder did you have to play the recorder like the little straight flute with the holes i still remember what i was did the not song? do that what were you guys Windy. doing in the back remember carving Windy it out with carving it out with a knife and wood what are the hell are you guys doing back in your day no no <laughs> no it was plastic it was plastic but it's a recorder and it and 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 it's straight down and you put your fingers on it. The song Windy. I still can play Windy on a recorder if someone ha- would happen to give me a recorder. Windy was a hit song back in the 60s. Who's sweeping down the streets of the city? You know that song? I don't know if I do. I don't know if I do. Yeah, sorry. Anyway. Anyway, that was what they made us play. It was cheap. I think that's why. They could buy like 50 of them for five bucks. Right. right. So they distributed the recorders and we learned how to play. We did like silly love songs by... Paul McCartney and Wings. I remember learning that on the recorder back in the 70s. So, yeah, no trombones, no flutes, no trumpets, no oboes, no saxophones, as Homer Simpson would say, just the recorder. And I, I, you know, I, I used to play the guitar, but I was horrible at it, but I wanted to be so good at it. And I used to take lessons from this 
old hillbilly that was teaching me like bluegrass and picking. I wanted to like shred and it just, it wasn't in the cards. It wasn't in the cards. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. What are we doing? Oh, it's the, the podcast podcast. Yeah. For right. Week 11. And I should be very happy. Yeah, Let's just skip because, this part and go because, right into the picks. Because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does. Uh, we had four games on which we disagreed straight up, and they went straight up your ass. All four of them yes, they did. went to me, 10-4 and four versus 6-8, and eight, and I'm disappointed. I really wanted that field goal to miss on Monday night, so I'd be 11-3. and three. I picked up four games against the spread. Your margin is down to two. Gosh. Best bets, I was 2-1. and one. You were 1-1-1. One, one and one. Remember the one I had the and one? I had the tie on the best bets, and you complained and whined and pissed and moaned about it. Well, you got one now because you picked the Lions as a best bet. They were given three. They won by three, so it's a push. So you know I have a push to go along with my push, and I have a three-game lead in best bets. Ugh, it was a horrible week. I'm so disappointed. I tried not to overthink it this week. I did. You know, I took your advice. You told me Monday. You know, I'm a little bit too much into you know, sit there, write notes, think about things too much. I'm, I'm, I'm reeling right now. So it's a big week for me. I need to gain some ground in a big-time way here. I'm sick of this. I really am. It, it actually, like, legit pisses me the fuck off. All right? It really does. I don't know what has happened Good. to me. Good. <laughs> I don't know what has happened to me. I used to be, like, the pick games guy. I mean, and and it's like the last two, three years, I've lost my way with it. And I don't know if it's I'm too deep in the weeds or I look into things too much, uh, but I can't figure it out, and I'm going to continue to tinker until I get this right. Here's a way to think about it, and I'm not trying to help you, but you don't need to sit down and run numbers and do calculations. When you are plugged into the matrix all the time, yeah, maybe you that's just the have to sit there right. and let the number manifest itself right. From your conscious and subconscious mind. That's what I do. Not that it's perfect, but it's working better than It's working better than my formula. The well, one. yeah, what gets me yeah. is I don't All look right. at the numbers, but I look at matchups. And then I write a little note for the matchup this week in the game. And then, you know, I might come back and look at it the next day. And then I, I let that sway me too much in the decision just because of this one thing. And for whatever else, I, I can't do that. That's where I got to get out of that mold and just kind of go a little more gut and overall feel for the football team and stop looking at it like, oh, I don't know. They might have a problem blocking the three technique this week, right? That's where I get myself in trouble. It's where my film and knowing too much at times actually comes back and um, fucks you at the drive-thru, as they say. Yeah, I thought you were going to say <laughs> bites me in the ass. I, I figured you would offer something more profane and inappropriate. Um, you out there, if you want to try your method, whatever it may be against our method, you can do so every week this year. DraftKings has set up the free $1,000 Florio and Sims pick and pool. Pick every game against the spread for a chance at a $1,000 prize pool. Not prize, but prize pool. All the winners share in it. You can do it each and every week. Download the DraftKings app, click on the Pools tab, and enter free the $1,000 Florio and Sims Pick'em Pool to make your picks. Or visit DraftKing, DraftKings.com slash pools. And just like us, you got to make all your picks for the entire weekend before the Thursday night games begin. Let's get to the Thursday night action this week. A significant game in the AFC and more particularly in the AFC North. The Bengals at the Ravens. Huge game, especially since both lost on Sunday. They're feeling a little desperation. The Ravens are favored by three and a half with an over-under of 46. Christopher, go. Yeah, I, I mean, huge game, like you said. 
Ravens were a team leading into last week where you saw, we all thought, hey, maybe this is the best team in football. I still don't come off of that, right? They're still phenomenal. Uh, closing out a game. They're, like I said to you earlier today, we've seen everything from the, the Ravens except for late pull out a tight, close victory late in the football game, whether that's come from behind or a team that's close and put them away. That's the only thing we kind of haven't checked the box on to go, oop, the Ravens can do that. All right, they're pretty unstoppable in all areas. Uh, I, I do think the Ravens, you know, I think their defense is awesome, right? But I think with Joe Burrow, the, the ability of how he gets the ball out of his hands so quickly, they have a great short passing game. Uh, I think they'll move the ball and chew up some clock against Baltimore. But getting in the end zone and scoring points, I'm not so sure about that. Cincinnati's run game, it's been better as of late, but not great. Last week it kind of took a step back, so I, I, I don't think about that and try to depend on that. You know, and then the other side of the ball, the Bengals have a good feel for how to you know, defend this Ravens offense. They have, but I think this Ravens offense has more answers than years past. We know their running game in Keaton Mitchell is good. Lamar has still been really damn good with all three of those receivers in that tight end. They got weapons there. And the Bengals' defense is, is not as good as we've seen the last two seasons. There is way too many big plays being let up. They're the 30th-ranked defense in football. And I kind of thought they were writing the ship in that department. And then C.J. Stroud just carved them up one play after another. I'm going with the Ravens, Mike. It's a really close football game. Can't wait to watch it. But I'm going to go 20-17 to Ravens. I got 26-23 Ravens, and I, I kind of chickened out here because I think the Bengals will play well with their backs against the wall. Yeah. I do. It's almost like a playoff game because if they lose this and fall to 5-5, five and five, they're going to have a difficult time getting in. They're already just on the outside looking in on the seven-team field in the AFC, but the Ravens at home, and they were at home on Sunday – they're at home on Thursday. That's a hidden advantage in these Thursday night games. They didn't have to travel back from anywhere. And fortunately, the Bengals didn't have to travel back from anywhere before they traveled to Baltimore. And it's not like they're going across the globe. But there's something to be said when you've got a short week to eliminate the whole production of packing up all your stuff and traveling home from wherever you played the road game as part of the limited time that you have to turn around and get ready for the Thursday night game. That's an edge for the Ravens that they were sleeping in their own beds last weekend, that they didn't have to travel home, that they could immediately focus on fixing the problems that caused them to blow a 14 point lead against the Browns. That's why I give them the edge. And also that Bengals defense that you mentioned earlier today on PFT live is ranked 30th right now. That's an issue. Bengals might not be able to handle that running game. We're going to see more Keaton Mitchell. That's something John Harbaugh promised. He had a couple of great plays in the first half on Sunday, disappeared right. in the second half. Keaton Mitchell is hard to handle. I think this is going to be methodical by the Ravens. Long drives, sustained momentum, but still, still, I'm giving the Bengals the cover by a half point because yeah, I think they'll be motivated to find a way to keep it close. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And, you know, the, the, like we talked a little bit earlier today, too, is just that the Cincinnati, their formula on offense 
you know, kind of takes away the brilliance of the creativity of the Ravens and some of that. Burrow, so good in the pocket, manipulating zones, right? It's hard to fool him with blitzes. He knows where to go or fix the protection or whatever else there. And, you know, because they throw the ball quick, I don't know if all the disguising and, wait, these two guys blitz and this two guys drop is going to have the effect on the Bengals to why that, that, to your point, that's why I think they keep it close as well. All right, we pivot then to Sunday, the early games. Dallas Cowboys heading to Carolina, one of the few times we see them at 1 o'clock Eastern because they deliver eyeballs by the gazillions. They are not favored by a gazillion, but it feels like they should be. Ten and a half at Carolina. Frank Reich taking back the offensive play calling, rearranging the deck chairs on the sinking Titanic over under 42 and a half. Chris, how many points will the Cowboys win by? Yeah, uh, they're going to win. That's for sure. The game is on grass, right? Like you've, like you've talked about with Jason Garrett and all that. They're 0-3 on a grass football field. And, uh, oh, that's right. What am they I thinking? Carolina, Carolina changed. I know. Good job, Matt Casey, change it, uh, getting in my ear there. Gosh, I'm, I'm still not used to them and, the, them and the Tennessee Titans. I'm not used to it yet because it's so long. They went grass, and, of course, I played for the Titans and played against the Carolina Panthers on the Bucks. so I'm still in grass mode with them, let alone I, I kind of live in grass mode yeah, all I, the I know time, you know what mode. I mean. I wink, mode. wink. <laughs> all right, but. Yeah. Um, very subtle. Yeah, very subtle. Uh, or subtle, as some people might say. But I think that, that when I really look at it, would the Panthers, how can you, you know, w- what's there to look at right now? The Panthers, that offense, I have no confidence in that group versus Cowboys defense. Uh, the Cowboys, they put tremendous pressure on the quarterback, right, mentally and physically. One of my issues with Bryce Young, as you know, is that he can't make throws when the pocket collapses, right? If a quick throw is there to be had, okay, quick fade, pick play, whatever, and that's what I would say scares me just a little for Dallas. If they play too much man-to-man, they, you know, Frank Reich and company will find a few ways to get the ball out of his hands quick and make some plays there. But ultimately, you know, the, the his size with their protection being a work in progress versus that defense. I think Dallas is going on the up and up. I think that's a problem for Bryce Young in that offense. And Dallas's offense, of course, has hit a stride here that's pretty damn special. I like this Carolina defense. You know that, right? I think you can run the ball on them a little bit. Dallas gets the run game going to the way Dak is throwing right now. Carolina's got no chance. I'm going 30-14, to 14, Cowboys. I got 34-13. And this is going to feel like another home game for the Cowboys. This is a weekend where Panthers season ticket holders cash out, sell their tickets, let Cowboys fans take over that stadium as they will, and it will feel like a home game in Carolina for the Cowboys. It's a shame, but that's where the Panthers are. It's over. It's done. The only question now is whether and to what extent David Tepper cleans house after the season ends, which I think is on the table, which is one of the reasons why Frank Reich is calling plays again. It's not going to matter. He's actually done Thomas Brown a favor because this one is going to be on Reich's resume when the Cowboys overwhelm the Panthers offense with Michael Parsons and company 34-13. All right, we agree on that one. Steelers-Browns in Cleveland. No renegade playing. I was at that week two game on Monday night. It was a magical evening in Pittsburgh when the Steelers beat the Browns. This time around, no Deshaun Watson. Maybe no problem for the Browns. They're still favored by one over under of a mere 33, the lowest of the week. Chris, who do you have? I can't wait this for this one. game, right? It, it just because, just I, you know, you know it's going to be ugly and physical. 
I, I kind of sometimes find enjoyment out of good defensive struggle type of football games when the defenses are legitimately good, right? I mean, it's one thing if it's like Carolina and the Bears, all right? That's a different story. But this one, there's playmakers across the board. Neither defense lets you in the in the end zone very easily. Pittsburgh might let you move the ball between the 20s, but they clamp down and don't let you score touchdowns a whole lot. We know the stat line of the Steelers, right? You know, they've been outgained in every game, right? But they're still 6 and 3. It's incredible what they're doing. But, you know, this style of game fits both teams here. Right? That that's what I think is intriguing too. And uh, we know the, the, the Steelers are comfortable with a 13-10, 16-13 type of game, and I think Cleveland's perfectly you know, uh, comfortable in that game as well. Cleveland's team is better than Pittsburgh. Cleveland should be able to stop this run of Pittsburgh and man up those guys on the outside a little bit and give them problems. That's right. That's right. Reel it in. Reel it in. Right? And then the other side of the ball – uh, Cleveland's offense, it's got a lot of good, as we've talked about. Really, the only thing you look at in this game where I just go, will Cleveland's offense fuck the game up? Will DTR hold the ball too long or throw an interception, pick six, something like that? Because that's the only way they won the game the first time around. They were outplayed by Cleveland. I'm going to go this way. This is the game that Pittsburgh finally outscore, outgains somebody on the offensive side of the ball. They're going to outgain them and lose. They're going to lose. Last week was a jump-off point for Cleveland. That D, they know how good they are. They know who they got to carry. Ooh, I like those moves. You showed a little, little actually, like, some grooves there. That's right. Get your damn terrible towel, your favorite team, and pick your freaking <laughs> Steelers. I'm going Brown 16-13. Do it. Let's go, Brownies. Do it. Here I we got go, the Brownies. Exact same score. Good. I got the exact same score. I have it right here in front of me. Steelers 16, Browns 13. Up your butt, Joe Boo. <laughs> You're going to be behind me by another game. The Steelers are winning this game. Sorry, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. It's the wrong week. We saw Clayton Toon in this spot in the same stadium two weeks ago. This is a bad week to be making your second NFL start against a Steelers team that can Feel the magic happening. There's something happening with this team. This is a team that was left for dead, written off. They suck. Fire Matt Canada. Get rid of this guy. Kenny Pickett blows. Yada, yada, yada. And here they are at 6-3 and three with a chance to go 7-3. and three. And if the Bengals win tonight, the winner of that game is in first place Woo-woo. in the AFC North through 11 weeks. I All love right, it. good. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm me glad. too. Let's go, Dog Pound. The Jedi mind trick Let's go, on Dog Pound. Browns. All right. Oh, 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 oh. I may have to... I may have to get a Steelers jersey. There's a store at the airport that sells Steelers jerseys. Okay. I may have to buy one yeah. for Sunday or Monday or Monday to wear on the show if the Steelers buy beat me a the Browns. Browns jersey right. while you go by they, there. Buy me a Browns jersey because if the Browns win, I'll wear the Browns jersey. Or, hey, hey, Steelers, you could always send me one if you want. I mean, I won't complain about that, although I'd have to get here by tomorrow. Okay, <laughs> Bears at the Lions. Detroit favored by 7.5 with an over-under of 48. Justin Fields is back. He says he's still not 100% with that thumb injury. That's not good. Bears aren't good. Lions are. And this is, you know, the hallmark of a great team. Can they win when they're supposed to win? This Lions team should be in play for the number one seed. It was a little too close for comfort against the Chargers. What do they do against the Bears? Favorite seven and a half over under 48. Well, we talked like a little on Monday, right? The Chargers, Justin Herbert, 
you know, they can they know how to pick apart a zone defense. The the Lions play primarily zone. They don't have the corners to play man to man and lock you up that way. So, you know, if you have a good system and a quarterback that, you know, is precision, knows how to move people, read the holes and coverage, all that, you can you can, you know, you can find ways to to move the ball on on the uh Detroit Lions. I don't uh, you know, Justin Fields has shown glimmers of that, right? They do have the weapons, but first game back, you know, in a long time, the thumb's still not there. I, I have a hard time thinking he's going to pick apart the Lions' defense that way. The Lions are very good at stopping the run. I can't imagine that the Bears go off in that department. They know how to defend Justin Fields in the run game that way a little bit as well, right? This Bears' defense has been tougher, but this Lions' offense has everything. And you play as much man-to-man as the Bears do. I think that's dangerous in the run game and the pass game when you play the Lions. The Lions will mess up your run game fits. Hey, I'm covering the tight end man-to-man here, and I got to do the D-gap. He might go this way. And, oh, damn, now we got no D-gap run player over here, for lack of a better example. Or Ben Johnson's just really good at he'll find ways to pick them or cross them or do that. I'm going Lions, of course. Like you said, this is a game they should win. Right, the one one seed is in play for them. Twenty seven seventeen Lions. I got thirty one twenty Lions. All the same reasons you've discussed. This is a game they have to win. This is a celebration week for them. They will be in first place in the NFC North for the first time heading into the Thanksgiving game since nineteen ninety three, when it was the NFC Central. That's how long it's been since the Lions have been a high end contender in the NFC, and they are this year. And they would have no one to blame but themselves if they lose focus and lose one or two of the next two games against the Bears and the Packers at home Thanksgiving week. Chargers at the aforementioned Packers. Chargers favored by three at Lambeau Field over under of 44. Packers played well last week in Pittsburgh but lost another one. The Chargers have been stringing some victories together until they lost to the Lions. Can the Chargers get back on the right track, Chris? In Green Bay on Sunday. I'd expect them to. Now, the Chargers defense is sucky-ducky. We know that. They're horrible. And I think it could look a little bit like we saw last week from Green Bay. Jordan Love will make a few plays, right? I do think they should be able to run the ball on the Chargers. So, I, I think we could see a fun game with some points here. You know, my problem is the Packers defense. I don't see the Packers defense really stopping the Chargers. That's that's my problem, right? The, the Green Bay... Uh, there's uh, the only team they've stopped here the last four or five weeks are the Rams with a guy that, you know, Brett Rippon, that really I, it should be a practice squad quarterback. Nobody's backup. Like, do we have to depend on him? Uh, that, that was insane. So, yeah, there's their lone win and their lone game of, like, looking good on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Herbert and company and, and Kellen Moore, I think, have found a little bit of a groove. They've been playing pretty damn good on that side of the ball, right? So I just expect the Chargers to outscore the Packers. I don't have enough faith in that Packers defense, and I don't think Jordan Love and that offense are good enough yet to win a shootout type of football game against this type of offense. I'm going 28-24 Chargers. I've got 24-20 Chargers and a couple of observations. First of all, weather will not be an issue. Temperature in the mid-40s at kickoff. Low wind, no precipitation. That That's helps big. the Chargers, right. who would not be well-suited to any bad weather in mid-November. Also, it's too early to know whether or not the Packers are at this point. But after 30 years of being a consistent contender, it's hard not to wonder whether they're just going to slip back into the mediocrity that they experienced for 
20 years from Lombardi to Favre of not really being much of anything. The Bay of Pigs games from the 80s between Tampa Bay and Green Bay. Chris Berman had that tie that he wore every Sunday when, oh no, that was, was that the Tampa Bay, Minnesota game? Either way, he called the Bay of Pigs, Tampa Bay and Green Bay. They were both horrible for years. And Chris, here's where Lambeau Field is going to hurt the Packers if they're not good enough. That stadium is so revered and so storied and so special. You get a Chargers team that only comes in there once every eight yeah, years. Right. They, they got an extra it. little spring in their step. I hear you there. They're going to Lambeau Field. They're going to the Cathedral of Football. They're going to want to win. And all of a sudden, it's easier to go there and win against a team like these Packers. That's another. That's an intangible that I think becomes very tangible. This is Justin Herbert and company's chance to go in to Lambeau Field and get a victory. And, oh, by the way, the Packers aren't very good right now. 28-24. Chargers get the win, and the Packers have another wheel come off in a lost season as they try to put it back together and go be a spoiler for the Lions on Thanksgiving. I like your point there, though. That point's real, though. You're you're right about that. I've experienced that point. 2005 Buccaneers team I was on. We went into Green Bay. They were not good that year. Brett Favre wasn't good. He was throwing interceptions like every time he dropped back, right? But our team was still revved up and ready to go and excited to play there because it was Green Bay and it was, you know, Lambeau Field and Lombardi and all that. And like you said, it's a special setting. If you haven't ever been to that stadium, you can't quite understand it. But it's like, yeah, it's like a Yankee Stadium, a Fenway Park, the great stadiums in our country that just have a nostalgic feel about it, let alone the fans are so close and it just feels like football was born there. Uh, I hear you there. It's It's a good point by you and your pasta and meatballs. It'll be interesting to see how many Chargers fans infiltrate the place. You know, Packers tickets on the secondary market are going cheaper and cheaper this year. And the Chargers are, are contenders. Not that they have a lot of fans at home. We'll see how many they have on the road. All right, Cardinals at the Texans. Texans favored by five, highest over under the week at 48.5. I said this earlier, the Texans are in the rare situation in the past several years of being in a potential trap game. They've got the Jaguars coming to town next week. The Texans could actually take over first place in the AFC South if they beat the Jaguars, if they also don't trip over their own two feet against a Cardinals team that has that extra little boost of having Kyler Murray back. How do you see this one playing? Yeah, Mike, I agree with you. You know, you, you said it on PFT today and my, my mind has been there all week. Like this is one of the games where I saw on the schedule when I looked like Monday night and I was like, you know, let me look at some of the games coming up this week. Right. Cause I'm sick of getting my ass beat by Florio. Let me start thinking about things. Definitely one of the games. Keep I, overthinking it. Keep doing well, it. It was one of those Keep games where I looked at and I thought I'm in your head, Werder. Yeah, yeah, seriously. But I did like think about it and go, Hmm, that, that, that's a game that could be a sneaky upset game. You know, just like my initial thought, right. Cause of the things you said. Arizona's been better than we expected. They got pretty good de- defensive game plans on a week-to-week basis. Uh, their offense has some weapons, and now, of course, they got Kyler back and all that. And, yeah, Houston, who didn't have expectations, is now the hunted a little bit, and everybody around town's telling them how good they are. Either way, I still can't pick the Cardinals in this one. I do think it'll be close. I do. I'm, like, thinking like a Texans late field goal to win the football game kind of game here. I am. But I think ultimately what scares me is Arizona's defense versus this Houston offense is why I can't pick it. Just because uh, Arizona, they're not great against 
the run. Houston's going to run the ball. Even if they have success or not, they're going to run it to protect their rookie quarterback and to keep the play-action pass alive. I expect them to be able to run it and gash them in the play-action pass, ultimately, at the end of the day, with Stroud and the way this crew is working right now. I'm going to go a tight one because I think uh, Murray will make some plays here too. But 23-20, Texans. So you've got the Cardinals covering, Texans winning. I've got 28-21. And as Matt Casey points out, D'Amico Ryans brings with him some familiarity with how to deal with Kyler Murray sure. from Ryan's time as the defensive coordinator of the 49ers. He doesn't bring with him Nick Bosa, Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, etc., but he at least brings concepts and ideas for how to maybe take some steam yep. out of Kyler Murray, right. slow the offense down. But you're right, Chris. Look, the Texans' offense right now, Devin Singletary, 150 rushing yards. What happened to Damian Pierce? Doesn't matter. The guy they signed from Buffalo in free agency was great last week. C.J. Stroud has been spectacular. The more teams try to take a little steam out of the pass game, the easier it's going to be to run the That's ball. Right. That's right. what the Texans are doing, and they're spotting the weaknesses, and they're taking advantage of it, and they are special this year. I can't see D'Amico Ryans letting his team stumble against the Cardinals with everything laid out in front of them. The opportunity to make the playoffs when many, including us, would have picked the Texans as the team least likely to get to the playoffs in a very good AFC. 28-21 for me, so I'll take the Texans to win and to cover. I mentioned the Jaguars. They're going to Houston next week. They have a little bit of a trap. They've got a get-right game, whatever you want to call it. They're looking ahead at some level to the Texans, but they got the Titans coming to town with Will Levis. The Jaguars are favored by seven on the same stadium in the same arena, on the same field, I should say, where they got their asses kicked by the 49ers. Do they get right against the Titans? Favored by seven, over under a 40. Do you have the Jaguars pulling it out, and do you have the Jaguars covering? I do think they get right, right? I, I do. I, you know, you look forward, all those things. I hear what you're saying. I think the fact that they got their ass whooped the way they did, that they're going to be pretty focused on this one. I do. It was an underwhelming effort. And, and, you know, they made – not only were they out-physicaled and outplayed, they made mistakes and did stupid things and penalties and all, all, all the things you don't want to do to win a football game. I still think ultimately, of course, they're better than the Titans football team. We know that, right? And you know the Jaguars, uh, I know it didn't show last week, but for the most part this year have been a balanced team, can beat you both ways. You know, I, I think this Titans defense is better than it's statistically ranked, but it's not great. Right, So I don't think they're just going to shut down Jacksonville by any stretch of the imagination. And what I do worry about is Tennessee's offense. You know, Again, we're seeing uh, two weeks in a row here. You know, it's not Ryan Tannehill, right? Will Levis has certainly showed us promise, but there's lack of weaponry and playmaking and all of that that you talk about with Tennessee. That's still an issue, right? I mean, they, they couldn't move the ball last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, of course, Will Levis got hit a whole lot too. And uh, this Jacksonville group, you know, they're pretty good up front. They find ways to get around the quarterback and get after you. Uh, I expect their defense to give Tennessee problems again. I'm going to go Jaguars 24-14, Mike. I got 30-20 to 20 Jaguars. I just like higher scoring games, so that influences my picks. The Titans are kind of falling apart. And – they had just enough hope right before the trade deadline to not make any moves. In hindsight, I think they should have traded Derrick Henry. It would have been hard to trade Ryan Tannehill because he had the injured ankle, but they're moving forward with Will Levis. I really wonder what happens at the end of the season if the Patriots come calling to see what it would take to get 
Mike Vrabel will ah. be the next head coach in New England. I have no knowledge on that point. But yeah, it seems just, like a good fit, you know, He's though. in the Patriots Hall of Fame. Right. Yeah, and it's a way – it's a way to break from the Patriot way but still embrace the past because Vrabel was never part of a coaching staff that has become toxic right. in recent years. But it's a former player who has shown he can win with, you know, without a high-end roster of talent. So I, I'm going to watch that if the Titans keep losing. I think the losing continues. You know, Chris, the point you made after Sunday's loss – Maybe the Jaguars look at how they got their asses kicked by the 49ers and realize that's a commitment to physicality and intensity that they have to make if they're going to be an elite team. And if they can't hold it together, they could fall off the face of the earth altogether, at least as it relates to contention in the AFC. They've got to reestablish themselves, and they've got to be ready to go to Houston next week and beat a team that kicked their asses earlier this year by 20 points in Jacksonville. This is really – these next two games – we're going to learn whether or not the Jaguars are ready for the for the you know the big boy next level, or whether they're just going to churn around with a mediocre team. Yeah, no, I, I, I that's de- definitely you know I, I like your assessment there, and these are two big games. You know, these are two teams that I will say in the next two weeks, the Titans and the Texans, they're better than, and then after that, they got the Bengals, Browns, and Ravens, which is not going to be easy. So, I mean, that, that could be a stretch that doesn't work out in their favor here. So these are big football games, and we'll see. You know, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, to, to the point, you know, in, that I brought up on Monday and that you're giving me credit for it, and thank you for that, is just that, yeah, I remember my dad telling me they played the 85 Bears, right? They thought, the Giants thought in 85 that they were really good and they were the physical team and could bring it, and they played the Bears, and they realized, whoa, there's another level we need to go up. And, of course, that is what was the jump-off point for their 86 football team. They realized that there needed to be another level of craziness and physicality to the way they played the game. And hopefully that, that rings true with Jacksonville learning that lesson against San Francisco last week. Hey, and to that point, it was the 84 Bears who getting learned, shut out right, by the 49ers, the 49ers in the playoffs who picked, up, who picked it up there. Exactly. And they, they took it to heart. And they started kicking the shit out of everybody the next year. Yeah. And then they passed it along to the Giants, and, and off we go. We'll see if the Jaguars picked it up from these 49ers and can incorporate it quickly into what they're doing. Raiders at the Dolphins. The Dolphins are favored by 13.5 in this one. I can't imagine that a team at 500 this deep into the season has been that big of an underdog before. The Raiders are 5-5, five and five, but it's a little deceptive 5-5. Five and five. You know, they've beaten some teams that aren't exactly – great powerhouse franchises but still Dolphins coming off their bye at home they're a different team at home they're a different team against lesser opponents they're favored by 13 and a half over under a 46.5 85 percent of the spread money is on Miami even though it is the biggest spread of the week Chris who do you have yeah I you know I I uh, the Raiders like you said five and five it's admirable there's no doubt about it I think the last two weeks they probably played if you could handpick the two teams that you'd want to play right, in their season to get a win, uh, they would pick the Giants and the Jets, you know, and the other one would be the Patriots, who they beat a few weeks before that, right? So that's where I'm like, yeah, it's five and five, but, you know, to your point, it's kind of fell just right for them. Uh, This is where, you know, this little fucking storybook thing we got going here, it all ends this week. It melts in the Miami sun. 
It melts when Tyree Kill does his second backflip of the day after scoring a 60-yard touchdown. They're just I just think the Miami defense is getting better. I think the week off, Miami recalibrates on the offensive side of the ball, has a few wrinkles, you know, there that they bring to the table. I think this is a week the Dolphins, you know, say, hey, we're back and, and put the Raiders in their place. 35-17 Dolphins. I want to see him match and exceed that backflip with a camera phone in his hand. I want to see him with a phone in each hand do a backflip. <laughs> That's the next level for Tyreek Hill, maybe coming this weekend. But I think Tyreek Hill is going to go off. Two weeks of pent-up frustration after not scoring against the Chiefs. He wanted to score so badly so he could say to Andy Reid, why did you trade me, yada, yada. He wants to get back on track in a big way. And the Raiders, this is a tough spot for anybody this weekend to go into Miami against his Dolphins team. The Raiders are going to be the sacrificial lambs. And I've got the final score. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? 41-21 Miami over Las Vegas. All right, last game of the 1 o'clock window. Last and most definitely least, the New York Giants and Tommy DeVito heading to Washington to take on the Commanders. The Commanders favored by nine points. Nine points. Who do you got? Well, I mean, of course I had the Commanders. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you said it. It's, that Giants offense is just it's pitiful. It is. And now I know the Commanders defense ain't anything special, but that doesn't matter. You know, I'm, I'm, the Giants are scoring 13 points. You know, the Commanders offense is dangerous. The Giants defense is reeling. Ever since Xavier McKinney made those comments, it seems like it added dysfunction to the Giants' locker room on that side of the ball about the defense and the defensive calls there. I'm going Commanders 24-13. Giants can't keep up with the firepower of Sam Howell and those receivers and that Eric Bieniemy offense. 27-17. I am worried about a backdoor late-game cover by the Giants with that nine-point spread, but I'll go 27-17 with the Commanders win and Commanders covering. Let's go ahead and take a break. We will do the late afternoon games for Week 11 when this joint episode of Chris Sims Unbuttoned and PFTPM continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Dear listener... Please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fandango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. <sighs> Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies. 
On DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 in pocket, $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code PFTLive when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. Late afternoon games on Sunday, just three of them to distract us while we prepare for and execute football night in America. Buccaneers at the 49ers, speaking of an execution, the 49ers favored by 12, over under a 41 and a half. Chris, you have picked San Francisco to win every week this year. I have a feeling you will not be breaking your trend with the Buccaneers coming to town. Well, that's damn right I won't, even though the Buccaneers drafted me and gave me millions of dollars and everything like that. Screw them. They're not going to beat the 49ers. <laughs> no. I got got respect for the, the Bucs and what they're doing, certainly. Right? I mean, we've seen them last week played well. Could have beat the Houston Texans the week before that. Offense made some big plays. I think ultimately, though, you know, one, I think the 49ers are going to hit a groove or a run here. You know, like we saw in the game. I think they're, you know, going to be back on the domination track like we saw when they went 5 and 0. The defense, too damn good, right? Tampa Bay's offense, even though it's been a little bit better the last two weeks, I'm not ready to sit here and go, oh, it's going to move the ball up and down on the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers more creative with their fronts and things they did. They dressed up their defense a little last week. And what I'll also throw into this is the things that Tampa's offense did to the Houston Texans two weeks ago I think the 49ers are going to be able to look at that and go, oh, we can't play this scheme when they line up in that because they're going to do what they did to D'Amico Ryan and company. It's the same defensive scheme. So I think they're going to learn from that, let alone, you know, with the 49ers healthy on the offensive side of the ball and the fact that they can run the ball and throw the ball at an elite level, I just think that's, it's, you know, they're going to screw over this Tampa defense. Tampa, they like to play stop the run defense. But when you overdo it and play the stop-the-run defense against a team like the 49ers or the Texans with Stroud, right, they'll tear you up with the pass game as well. And, of course, this offense has more talent than that Texans offense. I, of course, am going 49ers here, 31-17. Last year, the final score of this game played at Levi's Stadium between the Bucks and the 49ers. It was week 13-ish yeah, or right. thereabouts in early December, 35-7 was the final score with the 49ers winning. I'll give the Bucs another touchdown this time around, 35-14. You know, the Buccaneers aren't horrible. They hit that losing streak. They broke out of it last week by beating the Titans. But this is a tough spot, especially because, as you say, the 49ers are finding their groove. The key is healthy key players. As long as they keep their key players healthy, they are not losing. As long as they keep their core intact, they will win and win and win all the way to the Super Bowl and potentially win it. It all comes down to how healthy they can keep those guys. For now, they are. So they're going to roll out of bed, and they're going to kick your ass. And if one of them gets hurt along the way, that's what may affect them next week. For this week, they're going to beat the hell out of the Buccaneers, 35-14. We agree on that one in both respects. All right, this is the can't-look-away game. This is the ultimate rubberneck game. This is the game that you have to see, mainly to see who ends up falling apart and being in grave danger 
of missing the postseason? Will it be the Jets who are four and five or the Bills at five and five? Rematch of that week one game where somehow the Jets came from behind and won in overtime on a walk off punt return. The Bills have a new offensive coordinator. They're at home. It could get ugly. It could get loud if they can't move the ball effectively against the Jets. Bills are favored by seven with an over-under of 39.5. Chris, who do you have? I, I mean, I don't think they're going to be able to move the ball. It's going to look ugly. I don't give a damn what they do. You know, they can bring in Air Coriel, Shanahan, you know, Bill Walsh, whoever. It, it, it's not going to get fixed this week. It ain't going to look, look better against the Jets' defense. Right, it's a Jets defense that's given the Bills the last three times they played them. They beat them two out of the last three times, and all three times they gave Josh Allen and that offense problems. Right, there's, there's, there's the, the Jets. It's always eight people at the line of scrimmage, so they scare you from the run. The Jets then have a great pass rush, and they drop those eight guys into zones, and they don't let you throw deep like we talk about what every team does against the Bills. You know, everybody's learning that. And the one thing the Jets haven't done the best job is just like they go crazy in the pass rush, and sometimes they let Josh Allen out of the pocket and make plays that way. But still, they're so fast and athletic, they can run them down. Uh, the the real you know uh, the real thing is if Josh Allen doesn't turn the ball over more than one time, like okay, if he turns it over one time, they'll be okay. But if it becomes two or three turnovers by this Bills offense, they they, they will lose the game. But I'm going to play the fact that. You know, they're going to be on their P's and Q's after last week. They'll, that they'll even, maybe even think about being a little more conservative on the offensive side of the ball with the Jets in town and that offense as bad as it is, right? So uh, I'm going to take the Bills, got to get a gut check win. I have no faith in the Jets offense, as nor should you or I or anybody else that has eyes that has watched them play football. I'm going to go 20-10 to 10 Bills at home. Yeah, you know, I don't like the seven-point spread here because I would probably pick the Bills by seven if it wasn't a seven-point spread. I've got 21-13. This is a game the Bills absolutely positively have to have. They have to rebuild confidence in themselves, in their offense, in everything they do because after this game, it is at Philadelphia by week, at Kansas City, and Dallas at home. They can't blow this one with those three games coming up. And this game may not matter. And that's what's going to be interesting to me. Josh Allen has been aware of what's coming. He's talked about it. Right. Usually these guys are wired to say, I only care about the next game. And some of them can truthfully say they don't know what the game is after that. They don't care. They don't know what the rest of the schedule is. All they care about is the next game. You know, if this one starts to go a little poorly for the Bills, there could be some, you know what, shit, we're done. We're just done. We... We're, we're, you know, we're arm wrestling with this team that we should be beating easily. And we got Eagles, Chiefs, uh, Cowboys coming up with the Dolphins looming later in the year. We're just done. We're just throwing the towel on this season that, that, you know, for some guys that could be creeping around. I don't think it's going to happen though. I think they reestablish themselves. They get a win that they need and try to build some confidence heading into Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys. Good Lord. What a run they have coming up. So I believe in them for Sunday, I don't believe in the Jets. We're creeping closer to Aaron Rodgers not coming back at all this year. Jets would fall to four and six with the Dolphins coming up on Black Sunday or Black Friday. Excuse me, Black Friday, not Black Sunday, not Black Sunday yet. That was a movie back in the 70s, by the way. Uh, I digress. 
Bills 21, Jets 13. Let's move on to the final game from the late afternoon window. Seahawks at the Rams. A rematch of week one when the Rams stunned the Seahawks. Seahawks are favored by one. Rams are coming out of their bye. Matthew Stafford is healthy. Chris, do the Rams complete the sweep of Seattle? I, I, I can't pick it. I'm, I'm still going to go with Seattle. Right? I think it's dangerous. I think it's a close football game. I mean, you know, again, Matthew Stafford back in the lineup, and, you know, they still got Puka Nakua and, and Cooper Cup. They're going to move the ball and make some plays there. Their defense has been a pain in the ass. We know that. Seattle's offense is a little all over the place, right? So I don't necessarily trust that. I do think Raheem Morris understands that Seattle offense because it's basically Sean McVay light in what the offense is with Waldron coming from the Rams. So I think that's where the Rams do pose some issues with Seattle. But I think ultimately Seattle is just a better football team right now. And uh, Seattle, I think, is finding their groove on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they're making plays on a weekly basis. Their pass rush is starting to get after it here a little bit. Right? I think they're going to harass Stafford enough, make enough plays on the offensive side of the ball where they win a close one, 24-21. I got 28-24. Look, Devin Witherspoon didn't play week one. He was specifically mentioned by Matthew Stafford yesterday. Seahawks need this one because they've got 49ers-Cowboys, 49ers-Eagles coming up. They can't blow this one. If they blow this one, they may get blown out of the playoff field altogether. All right, primetime games, including <laughs> game of the year. Game of the year coming up. Josh Dobbs, future Hall of Famer, and Russell Wilson, another future Hall of Famer on Sunday Night Football. We'll discuss that and and a fairly significant Monday night game when PFTPM and Chris Sims unbutton continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. At the theater, more than the movies come to life, movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. <laughs> Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. Oh, what do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. <laughs> oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. Oh, baby, you know what time it is. Don't forget, on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket 150 bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code 
Unbuttoned when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I told you I expected the monster truck voice, and it took you a little while to crank it up. Yeah. It took you a few words to really slip into it, but that's good. I, Sunday, 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 monster truck rally. Be there, be no, there, no. be there. <laughs> All right, uh, Sunday Night Football, be there or be square at whatever they call it at Mile High Stadium. In Power Field, I think that's what it is. Either way, Vikings-Broncos, not flexed out and good because the Vikings are 6-4. and four. They've won five in a row. The Broncos are 4-5. and five. They've won three in a row, and they've beaten the Chiefs and the Bills in back-to-back weeks. Josh Dobbs versus Russell Wilson. The Broncos are favored by two and a half, and I'm going first, baby. You know, I'm really concerned about this one. I'm concerned. I think that if the Vikings can't run the ball, Josh Dobbs is going to have a hard time throwing. And Russell Wilson has looked really good this year. He's kind of rediscovered the magic that we used to see. He's elusive, quick decisions, that little flip pass to, to Samaje Piran we saw several times on Monday night. The big challenge, I think, is this. And I made this point, I think, on Tuesday. I know I tweeted it. The Broncos had... A very hard-fought, crazy-ass game go their way when it shouldn't have. Just like the Vikings in Buffalo last week, last year, excuse me, I'm blowing this, I'm blowing this horribly. Last year, week 10, the Vikings had this crazy-ass win, exhausting, unbelievable, shouldn't have won the game. And it's euphoria on the back end, and what did they do? They went home and got the shit kicked out of them by the Cowboys the following week. The challenge for the Broncos is to not have this letdown. And I suspect Sean Payton will be riding them all week and reminding them of what happened to the Vikings last year after that crazy Week 10 win in Buffalo. I don't know that it's going to matter. you got five days to turn it around. And the Vikings are feeling very good about themselves. I can't pick against the Vikings, not after they won five in a row. 23-20, Minnesota wins it. I don't feel very confident about it, and I could very well see the Broncos win the game. Now we'll see, Christopher, what you have to say about this one. Oh, well, I'm going with the Broncos. Fuck your Vikings and fuck you too, Florio. Okay, <laughs> that's what I'm doing, all right? I don't believe in this fairy tale quite yet. I got to see one more week of it. All right, I mean, you, you said all the right things. I mean, listen, what Dobbs is doing is great. O'Connell is great. Uh, there's not enough run game I think for me, you know, that's where you do. You brought this up on PFT today. You can run on the Broncos. There is an interior part of that D-line that's certainly not special there. But I don't know if you guys are good enough to really take advantage of that the way some other teams can, right? So I look at that, and that Broncos defense has been better. Uh, Vance Joseph, ever since that that, uh, blowout down in Miami, you know, I think they've consolidated their defensive packages a little bit, gotten a little more simple, and just allowing some of the young guys to fly around and play fast. It's worked for them. They haven't given up a ton of big plays against Mahomes or Josh Allen. They've been incredible that way. And like you said with Russell Wilson, you know, he's it early in the year it was just like kind of manage the game and don't make mistakes. Now we're getting into wait. Not only does he understand the Sean Payton offense and you could see more at the line of scrimmage and getting into plays and the packages, but he's starting to get into like not just don't screw the game up mode, let me take over the game mode. Well, I haven't seen that in a while from Russell Wilson, right? I mean, when he threw that pass the other night against the Buffalo Bills, I think I texted you. I go, that might be the best play we've seen Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson make in two and a half years, right? It looked like the old Russell Wilson. So that's great. They can run the ball. 
I think they'll be able to run the ball on Minnesota. Minnesota's defense, though, is a pain in the ass. Brian Flores, all the things he does on defense, I know it's one of the top blitzing defenses in football. They got people coming from everywhere, who's standing, who's blitzing, who's dropping, all of that. They're very good that way. But if there's one guy that I feel like can figure out how to settle that down and have a game plan to stop it, it's Sean Payton. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Denver at home. Yeah, the game last week was a big one, but I think, again, it's more – I think it's going to be more of a, like, hey, we are good. Let's keep riding this wave. Let's believe in ourselves here. I'm going to take the Broncos 21-16. All right, you got the Broncos winning and covering. I've got the Vikings winning and obviously covering since they're the underdogs. Monday Night Football, Super Bowl rematch. MDS pointed out a little bit ago, and he's writing this at PFT, this is the ninth – Super Bowl rematch ever. The Super Bowl winner is 6-2 and two in the rematch. So the Chiefs, who obviously beat the Eagles in Super Bowl 57. You're talking about next season, one. like next season right after the Super Bowl? Right? I yeah, guess the, that, the yeah. Super Bowl rematch right after. Right after, right after yeah. they did. This is the ninth time there's been a rematch this season immediately after that Super Bowl. And the winner of the Super Bowl is 6-2 and two in the rematch. So the Chiefs favored by three, coming off of their bye as are the Eagles. We know about Andy Reid coming off of a bye. He's much harder to beat when he's got extra time. I've picked the Chiefs to win every game this season. They're 7-2, and two, so that's been helpful. Chris, are you picking the Chiefs to win on Monday night? Well, I'll let you go ahead first here again. You know, you, you on PFT today, I got the sense that you were leaning Kansas City. That's the sense I got. So let me see where this damn pasta and meatballs is at. Um, go ahead. Let me hear yours. If I didn't mention it already, I apologize. The Chiefs are favored by three with an over-under of 45.5. I do think the Chiefs at home, prime time, Eagles coming to town, Patrick Mahomes dismayed by the fact that the offense hasn't been as good as it needs to be, talking to Peter King after the win over the Dolphins, how great the defense is, and he promises that offense is going to come around. No time like the bye week to get it to come around and I just think this is going to be one of those nights where Mahomes finds a higher level. Mahomes has a great performance. Mahomes reminds everyone that he's the best quarterback in football, and he'll show us why. 31-27, the Chiefs over the Eagles. Exciting game. I mean, I'm kind of – this is my I hope we have a great game yeah. on the Monday night of Thanksgiving week. Like five years ago when we had that Chiefs-Rams game. 54-51 on the Monday night of Thanksgiving week. I want a great, memorable Monday night game. So I'm saying 31-27 to try to speak it into existence. Chiefs win, Chiefs cover. Who do you have? Yeah, I think it's – it's. I mean, I, I would expect a good game. I would. I, I'd be shocked if we don't get it, right? Uh, I, 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 look at, I look at the Eagles' defense. Got to think they're going to be mov- motivated, right, from the fact that they got no sacks last year in the Super Bowl against Mahomes and company. You know, so I think that plays in their favor. You know, I don't know, Mike, here's a question I'll pose to you. Does it play in their favor, the Eagles' defense, the fact that they've gotten to see Eric Bieniemy twice this year already? Now, Bieniemy to me, has more creativity than Matt Nagy and what the Chiefs are showing right now. And, of course, the commanders have way better talent at wide receiver than the Chiefs. That, that's not even close. So that's like an interesting thing I think about. I don't know. What, what, you got two cents on that that you think there? Who has the advantage in that, that department? I mean, all due respect to Sam Howell, he's not Patrick Mahomes. No, that's so right. I, it's a great thought. It's yeah. a great thought. But 
it's still Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Yeah. And yeah. some have said, hey, Matt Nagy's the problem. He shouldn't be the offensive coordinator, yada, yada. I still think Andy Reid is heavily involved in that Agreed. offense. Even though his involvement nevertheless spawns head coaches, except for Eric Bieniemy, who had to go elsewhere to prove that he can coordinate a good offense before he becomes a head coach. So it's Reid and it's Mahomes, and I think that's the difference. Yeah, I hear you there. It's, it's definitely something I, I think about. It's interesting. You know, I don't know if that the matchups with the commanders gives the Eagles a feel for how they might get attacked, or maybe it gives Nagy and Reed to go, hey, wait, this is how they stop some of their stuff. We need to zag instead of zig here, right? It could go either way, but I would expect the Chiefs, uh, I mean, the Eagles defense to be highly motivated with this one. And because of lack of real scary receivers by the Chiefs too. I you know, I think the Eagles can play a little bit more man to man against the Chiefs than they can against the Washington Commanders. Uh but that's going to be, you know, the heavyweight battle right there. Mahomes versus that crew. We know that it's not like this matchup on the other side's much much worse though. The Chiefs defense is phenomenal. The Chiefs defense does something that I talk about on my podcast that you don't listen to all the time is that they they will Against these great offenses, Dolphins, Chiefs in the Super, I mean, Eagles in the Super Bowl last year, they turn, will flip the script on you and go, oh, you, you think we're going to play cover two and we're going to try to be sound? We're going to do some crazy crap to you too, and it's going to mess up your plays and mess up how you think about calling things and everything. That's where Spags is brilliant. And they have the type of corners that – they can certainly dabble in man-to-man against these Eagles receivers. Again, you don't want to make, a, a, make it a steady dose of it, but on a key situation, a curveball, whatever, if they can play man-to-man against Miami, they can play man-to-man against the, the Philadelphia Eagles. That, that's for sure. But the difference, too, here is you know, the Eagles can run the ball. We know that, too. And that's going to put another little bit of stress on this Chiefs defense that they haven't seen. And Jalen Hurts is a better thrower and decision-maker from the pocket than he was last year. I'm going Eagles. I'm going Eagles here on the road. I think because of the Super Bowl loss, they'll be motivated. They'll be ready to go. That's right. I'm going Eagles 27-24 in a great Monday night before Thanksgiving type of game. Yeah, yeah, wait, 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 wait. You, you hate the Eagles. You hate the Eagles. You hate Jalen Hurts. You hate everything about Philadelphia. How can you pick the Eagles? How dare you pick the Eagles in this game? <laughs> right, right, I know. How dare I do that? Yes, and I have great respect for all of those above, okay? I love what the Eagles do as a football team. I respect Jalen Hurts. I just don't call him one of the three or four best quarterbacks in football, and people can't take that. Sorry. I. All right, will, will you wear your hoodie on Tuesday if the Eagles win Monday night? No, yes I'm no? not wearing that damn Eagles hoodie right. no matter what, okay? Right. Unless they send me a check for a million dollars, I'm not wearing it. <laughs> See, you hate the Eagles. See, we proved that you hate the Eagles. It's Case in my closed. blood a little. Roasted. <laughs> when, when, when we return, best bets and Folsom Prison Blues pick PFTPM Chris Sims unbuttoned back right after this. This week, we disagree on three games straight up with one more against the spread. And now it's best bets time. Chris, I'll let you go first. I have a feeling you're a little nervous about this week's. Let's see if you can close the gap. What do you got? I'm going Cowboys to start, right? Uh, I think I could see the Panthers oh, being a pain in the too. butt early, but Cowboys going there. 
All right. Spread's too low. Didn't we learn that last week? Didn't yeah. we learn that last week with the Cowboys? Ten and a half's too low. Cowboys, go. Okay. I'm going with the Dolphins. I think that fairy tale ends with Antonio Pierce and all that going down to the Raiders. Boom. Damn, this is – I didn't want this. I knew we might end up doing chalk across Sorry. the board here. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. That's fine. All right. It's, these spreads are too low. What's your – 13 and a half is too low. What's Give your third one? I'm taking the 49ers. The 12 is too low. They're going to kick the shit out of the Buccaneers. Fuck me. I'm, 12 is too low. Gosh, damn it. I mean, <laughs> I am too. I, I, that's, that's where I want to go. I, 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 did. I thought about taking the Eagles just because I got them winning by three and they're three-point dogs, right? But I'm going with go the ahead. 49ers too. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. Take the Eagles. Take the Eagles. All Some right. Shit. No, you do whatever you want. No, do whatever you want. I'm gonna, it doesn't matter. Whatever you want. For the sake of this show, I'm going to do the Eagles. I'll take with the Eagles. I'm going with the Eagles right. as my third best All right. bet. All right? And then All right. Carolina will be dying to the Dolphins. Cowboys. Who's your who's your Colt Folsom Prison Panthers die wait, to the wait, Cowboys. Who? Dolphins? Panthers. Yeah. All right. See ya. See you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.